This is the Out of Time Film Podcast, where your hosts, Tom and John, discuss everything from blockbuster films to TV and games like there's no tomorrow. Hello and welcome to the Ask Time Film Podcast. My name is Tom and as always I'm joined with my co-host John. Hello, it's me. And this week we are talking about Killers of the Flower Moon. Oh, this. Yes. I remember when the film got revealed and Scorsese was like, I'm working on the film or share details about it. And then a few months later after that, we got like a picture, like a tease. Oh, yes. Of what Killers of the Flower Moon looks like. And we had Lily Gladstone and Lady DiCaprio just sitting on this table. And that was the only picture that we saw from Killers of the Flower Moon for, oh, I think it was for a year, I think. Yeah, and, something like that. And it just felt like, are we going to see anything else in this film? <laughs> like, are we going to see, like, a teaser? Or are we going to see a trailer? No, we just had that image for months. <laughs> and it was just so memed that Spider-Man 2 also got the same thing as well like you only saw miles and peter parker just in the spider-man suits just standing (laughs) together for months and we didn't get any details about that so there was like a big curse about you know big films or games just get an image only for months i would say that's the best way to market let's do that for every (laughs) single film give us one image that we get so sick of for a year and then it's like that one poster for the eras tour you know the taylor swift eras tour i've seen that one poster everywhere and i i i I beg of them please use a different picture oh yeah like they could have done different pictures just to get some anticipation or excitement but no and it was funny when we saw that moment in the film where we just saw yes we were were pointing like what yes yeah that was amazing you thought this image was gonna be like this the entire (laughs) film and we were just sat there just like killing ourselves we're just like is this gonna be the film (laughs) i don't think anyone else in the cinema cared but we were having a great time we were like it's the image and we saw various actors in the film oh yeah there was the guy from daredevil i forgot his name he didn't have any lines eldon henson was just there he didn't have any single line like what the hell why was he there there's what if there's an extended cut Ah, now, now we're uh, borrowing weeklies from the same bloody blockbuster <laughs> we need, video. We need more. We need more screen time. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. It yeah. is a bit kind of crazy about how this film has come about because obviously this is an Apple film, and oh, yeah. for the longest time it was just going to be a very very limited cinematic release, and it was going to be just dropped on Apple TV Plus. And I was definitely worried that I wouldn't get to see this movie at the cinema, but thankfully. Because of various different things, it has got a full cinematic release, which yeah. is and not just not just like I, I thought it would just be in America. It's not obviously that like we're in England and we got it too, and that is so great. And I was so happy to see it on the big screen, all three hours and twenty six, I believe, minutes of this movie. You're gonna see it all <laughs> in in glorious big screen mode. Man. So. Killers of the Flower Moon, full spoilers ahead for anyone who hasn't seen it. Briefly explain the plots for those who don't know. All right. In 1920s, members of the Osage Native American tribe of the Osage County, Oklahoma, are murdered after oil is found on the land and the FBI decides to investigate. Right. Okay. So (laughs) this is both of our first Scorsese movie at the cinema. I've seen four or something other Scorsese movies in the past. And I think I you've think seen so as well. roughly yeah. the same ones. So what did you think? 
so first time experiencing Scorsese on the big screen. Yeah, I've seen Goodfellas, I've seen Short Island, I've seen Wolf of Wall Street, but this felt a really different experience because when you watch something you haven't seen on the big screen like Scorsese, you know, how does he deal with a different stylistic choice or a different editing choice or a different performance choice on the big screen? It is a completely different experience when you go to the cinema. Like this year, when me and Tom went to see Babylon, we were like completely mind blown and we were just sat in the cinema for like three hours and it was just completely mind blown. But when you watch a film on a smaller screen, like a TV, you just got it on Blu-ray, but it's not that same experience. It's something unique about when you go to the cinema and you see that experience. That happened to me when I watched Scorsese on the big screen. There was just something that really got my attention all the way through. It was just really cool how it just kept you engaging all the way through because it, this film is like three hours and 20 minutes and it felt like there was not a single beat wasted. Like you just felt so immersed into the story and I just felt like you could really tell Scorsese's stylistic choices in this film, like in the performance as well, and the stylistic choices. You can see that at the end of the film as well, how Scorsese tries to tell the story as well. It's quite powerful. He tries to, you know, show what really happened in this film and the book as well. The whole film was based on the book Killers of the Flower Moon, which also was looking at the first time when the FBI was founded and the OCS. Yeah, yeah, it all comes from J. Edgar Hoover files and these kind of real events. And I mean, there's a reason why Scorsese is Scorsese. There's a reason why everyone loves Marty, because he just makes films like no others. I just loved the way that in this movie he presents this community, this kind of small pockets in America. And very cleverly, the ways that every time we see like a crowd, you can see the Osage population getting lesser and lesser and the white people dominating more and more. And this movie, it doesn't shy away from some of these horrific, like both visually, like it's a very gory movie at times, but also like just narratively, this is not what you make. Because I would argue, based on the trailers, this feels like this movie is going to be a white savior movie. And mm. I don't think it is. I think that really this movie is super, super critical as it should be of white people. The specific parts with Leonardo yeah. DiCaprio's character where you can kind of see he's trying to do the right thing. And and at those parts, I might be like, okay, are we is this character going to be redeemed? But no, everything that he does to protect his family or anyone in the Osage community, all those things are actually done in service of himself. He's a very selfish character. There's a mm. fantastic bit at the end where Molly, his wife, says to him, Ernest, she's like, what were you giving me when you were injecting me the whole time? Because she knows, she knows that he wasn't just giving her the insulin that he was supposed to be giving her for her diabetes and that what caused her to be really sick. He takes a moment and you can so tell that he knows that he's been caught out, but he still lies. He just still just says, oh, insulin. And she just gets up and leave. And I love the way that this movie presents these vile, you know, like I haven't seen a Scorsese movie where the protagonist is a good person. Maybe, okay, maybe Hugo. Yeah. But other yeah, than that, all the other Scorsese movies that I've seen, the protagonists aren't good people. They are scum of the earth. They're real assholes. They're not good. They're not kind. And this movie follows suit in that in all the best ways, the ways that all these people pretend like they are, you know, friends of the Osage community when really they are just greedy and exploitative and just want like the money and the oil and all of that is presented so well 
through these these characters. Yeah, and one of the things struck me visually was the symbolism across the film. You know, like how the white people are slowly taking away the Osage land and money. There was one at the end which was just so so uncomfortable when Ernest comes back and there's a whole room full of the most wealthiest white people and you see the shot and it was like one of the most uncomfortable shots because that's where Lily stayed and it just felt like you know there's one line that struck me as well in the film is when Ernest was reading the book about the Osage and looking at this picture it says can you see the wolves in this picture? And that was the one thing in the film that was prominent. You know, there are wolves in this film. You know, there's Ernest. He's the wolf and he's constantly taken away. And he's the awful guy. There's a lot of awful people in this film that are just slowly taking away their money. Uh, they also have money and land and killing them as well. And it does it in a very serious way and like looking at what they did. And it's really interesting how they use that theme of the Osage and like how they slowly taking away the land. And with the wolves as well, that was the aspect. And another thing I love of the symbolism was the Osage, the stories and how they visually saw the world, like the sun or fire or the flowers as well. It gave you this idea of like you're hearing from Lily's perspective. And I love Lily Gladstone's performance in this. It's just so subtle, but also shit. just really powerful. She has a strong presence throughout the film, and you are constantly following her story rather than Ernest. Well, you do get to see Ernest's story, but he's just completely horrible. But Lily Gladstone's character, you are with her throughout the film, exactly from the beginning as well. Lily Gladstone is a force to be reckoned with in this movie. She is so impressive and the way that she holds herself, the ways that her eyes work, just so much of the acting are just behind those eyes that know so much and have so many layers of emotion in them. She is warm and kind, but also she plays cold and sickly and grief-stricken at times. She's such a perfect emotional center for this movie. And that is my biggest frustration is I wish that she was more of the emotional center. As yeah. good as this movie is, it does, I think, fall short in the emotions. And I think that's because it chooses to follow Ernest more prominently yeah. than Molly. And I think that so many of the big emotional moments where Molly's family die are hugely important to the plot and, 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 and the entire narrative of all these different people in the Osage community being picked off one by one and, and used and exploited before they are murdered. Her grief is such a big point that needs to land. And not that it didn't land exactly, but I think that the film would have benefited from being more from her perspective because there's so much to go into to the point where we finished this film and we were going, <laughs> even though it was three hours long, we were kind of like, yeah, that should have been longer. There's so much more more to do in this movie so much more to explore that i kind of wish they had of i kind of wish it was four hours dare i say yeah. maybe even four and a half hours i think that there's still a lot that should have been explored particularly from molly's perspective yeah if they could have made it longer i wish there was more emotional weight because there was something that was trying to do throughout the film which was trying to put emotional weight on lily you know like you want to have this emotional connection or this emotional journey with the character and i wish the film what you said it could have been longer which i agree which you know you could have seen more of lily and have a bit of like emotional connection with that and yeah we've seen a lot of Ernest and what he does but i think the film was trying to look at the side of the book as well like what Ernest has done 
but with Lily, yeah, I wish there was more of a story with her. And that would have made the film a lot more emotional, what she's been through, how many family members she's lost. And it is quite sad what she's been through, but also quite powerful that she's a strong character throughout the film. And I think she's more like, she's tried to be this proactive character throughout the film. And Scorsese tries to do that so well with the narration, but also she tries to be a strong character as well, which she is a force to be reckoned with in that performance. But another thing as well was there's a fact about Lily Gladstone was that she was about to have like a completely different, well, she wanted to change her life. So she thought she would go to a university course, but Scorsese emailed her to oh audition God. or to look at her performance for this film. And it's crazy because she is amazing, Lily Gladstone. In this yeah, film. I really yeah. hope this kind of takes her career to new exciting places. I know that there's already been conversation about her getting a lot of awards for this. And I think she absolutely deserves it. She is the highlight of the movie. Like, absolutely. And again, really should have been in the emotional center because there's so many moving parts in this movie. Obviously, with a movie so long, you have a lot of chance to do so many different things. But in this film, yeah. they really, I think, just kind of lost me with how much is going on. There are yes. too many white people and they all look the same. Oh, yeah. There's the amount of just like basic white men in this movie you know, just kind of middle-aged, brown hair, like, I just kind of lost track of who was who. And in a lot of ways, that is kind of the point, the idea that, you know, these white people are overrunning the community and to the point where they're just kind of everywhere. But at the same time, this movie is definitely going to be one that ages well with me because the more I watch it, the more I think about it, the more I understand it and understand the characters and understand all the moving parts, the less confused I will be. Yeah. Because I definitely did feel a little bit like, what is going on? <laughs> like, it was kind of like, our, I remember when we did Oppenheimer, our criticism was that there's a lot going on and there's a lot of moving parts and there's a lot of people and there's a lot of kind of conversations about complex things. And, you know, this one, the conversations are like complex, but there's a lot of people and there's a lot going on and unless yeah. it's an actor that you actively recognize you, yeah. you don't have very really much hope there yeah it got to the point where there was loads of white people and it was like lots of interrogation lots of um courtroom stuff about the murders and again we don't get to see a lot of that perspective from lily but we got to see a lot from Ernest. It did feel a bit overwhelming with lots of information. But one of the things was just Brendan Fraser. I love how Brendan Fraser only has like the scene where he tries to defend William Hale, Robert De Niro plays. And Brendan Fraser, we saw him, we were like, oh my God, it's Brendan Fraser. And one of the funniest things is just, he just goes up standing and tries to defend William and also Ernest as well, like trying to be this really loud guy in the moment. And that actually reflects all the way throughout the film. You know, William Hill tries to take control of a lot of the things in his life and just controls his nephew, Ernest. Mm. And he has this massive sense of control all around the film. And it's quite scary how he does it. And he speaks Osage language. And he speaks that as well. And it's like, what is he exactly doing throughout the film? You know, you have this really weird presence with that. You just feel like, what is he exactly doing? Yeah, it's really interesting because he pretends to be a, like, this kind of friend the whole time and pretends to be humble. And Robert De Niro plays that really, really well because he has these kind of layers of anger and his facade like cracking at some points and obviously you see him as the dastardly villain he, he is when he's kind of alone with the people who he's using but then kind of when he's in the wider community he acts like such a different person but i thought it was interesting as well because a lot of the time when white people speak the osage language they don't use subtitles and i thought that was very yes. interesting this kind That's of like yes 
Yeah, there are a couple of times when they do, like, for example, when Ernest and Molly are having conversations, they do that a couple of times, but a lot of the time they don't. And I thought it was interesting. That's almost a comment on this kind of appropriation of the language and this kind of like misunderstanding of all the different meanings that there's a lot of talk in the movie with voiceover that kind of explains Osage traditions and, you know, like what their God means to them and stuff like that. That was interesting that they used that choice not to subtitle those moments. Because again, it goes deeper into the fact that these white people are kind of using the Osage people. Yeah, with the subtitles, you just felt like, you knew there was something wrong with that. There was something wrong that they were trying to do. And the story, it was really interesting where they were going and it had a really strong pace as well. And there were some really good scenes. And the cinematography, can we just talk about the cinematography for a second? Wow, the cinematography, it was like this powerful tool as well. Like the camera is a really powerful tool all the way throughout cinema, which is the one that you see the characters, the one you see the story, the one you see everything. But this film, it was really interesting when you see it on the big screen because it made you feel small with the camera because you're seeing this perspective all the way through. And there were some scenes that were just so powerful, moving, and it had like a really strong contrast between scenes. So there was one scene that was like really loud. It was just felt overcrowded. In the next scene, it cut to an open field, and Scorsese tries to do that so well. You just put contrast into each other, also a bit of match cuts as well into the editing as well. But cinematography was the one that really pulled me in. It was like something that it made you feel small, or something that you were trying to go do throughout this perspective. And you can really tell how the cinematography changes all the way throughout the film. So like how we see the Osage, there's a bit of like an idea that it's home for them as well. You feel like there's this connection between you and the camera. You know, you are seeing that story with them, with the Osage. This is their story. And once you see Ernest and William Hale, there's a lot of long shots, maybe 85 millimeters or something like that. Seeing William Hale or earnest or something like that you see them far away and that really interests me because it tries to show you this disconnection between earnest and you know all the other white people as well that are trying to take their land and money as well and it was like really interesting how it changes all the way throughout the film as well and maybe the camera pulls in with the characters um, but mostly we are closely connected to Lily Gladstone that is the closest that we ever got to a character and I think that is the only thing that we get to see close to the camera with Lily Gladstone and the other Osage members and it tries to get this again close connection and the film just made you realize what is wrong with the white people and who is killing the Osage so yeah that was the one thing that really was interesting and the powerful shots as well there was one where Robin De Niro's character, it was like burning down the farm outside Lily Gladstone's house. Yes, yes, and, I was going to mention that scene. Yeah, and the one thing that was really powerful was there was a whole bunch of fires around it. And it kind of reminded me of Molly, that's Lily Gladstone's character, what she said at the beginning about what her tribe believes in with the sun or the fire. And the fire is like this father and you get to see this fire. And the one thing that really caught my attention was how the camera was focusing on the fires burning in the air. Like how you see on a hot summer's day or something like that, you can put the camera and then you see the sizzling lens flare, like this flare that is happening. And then in the scene, you get to see the other people who are destroying the farm as well. It was just terrifying. It just had this like really weird but also terrifying moment in the film. They are just slowly taking away their land. 
yeah, that was the one powerful shot that really struck me. I was like, wow, how how the heck did he do that? And it mm. is, again, a strong image to show what this film is, really. Yeah, the visuals tell such a key part of the story, and I was so enchanted by them. I agree with what you're saying. Like, It's interesting how they don't, as I said earlier, they don't shy away from the nasty parts of these murders. We really do see brains, like, you know, like heads literally oh, like falling yeah. open and you know, like proper like mangled corpses and they really kind of lean into the mutilation that these white people are doing. And I thought that was just so, so very visceral and powerful. And yeah, as I said, I was going to mention that scene with the fire. Like that's just such an amazing representation of everything that was happening. I thought that was fantastic. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting how many cinematic modes that Scorsese goes through in this movie like there are moments that Scorsese used modernism we definitely didn't just have a five minute discussion where we tried to figure out what it was called what is it he kind of of used modernist techniques um, sometimes with the way that we would kind of cut between like you know the movie and flashbacks different perspectives and also pictures like that felt very interesting while also kind of you know doing this stuff because obviously you know we're in the 20s but the movie doesn't strictly adhere to that kind of 20 sensibilities. It reminded me very much of, sometimes with the music choices as well, it reminded me of something like Marie Antoinette, which is a fantastic movie by Sofia Coppola. And that movie gets a lot of controversy because of its use of anachronistic music. I mean, I love that kind of thing. So it was really great to hear, you know, music that wasn't always adhering exactly to the era. I thought that kind of stuff was fantastic. And I don't know how old Scorsese is. He's in his 70s or 80s and he's Uh, still on top of his game. And to see somebody with such talent and still bringing such levels of cinema was fantastic. And that moment at the end, 80, wow, there you go. And at that moment at the end, when he arrives on screen and he tells the final bit of the story, there's this kind of metatextual lens and this really interesting kind of commentary on these stories about Osage people, about Native Americans. They're not told very often, if ever, on film. And this movie, I really hope, will open up a conversation and also allow more movies like this to be told by Osage filmmakers. Martin Scorsese isn't exactly the kind of person who should be telling this story, but he has this skill and this prestige he is so well respected that he can open up all these possibilities to make these kinds of movies and if he has to be the one to do that to allow these other filmmakers to make stories about themselves and their own communities Mm. i really hope Mm. that can happen off the back of this because there's so much to kind of talk about and it's not all going to be 1920s three-hour you know like historical epics but this yeah. certainly was a force to be reckoned with. I loved it. Yeah, same. And what Martin Scorsese does is that he's just giving this direction of what cinema should be. And like, we should hear other people's stories and tell that perspective. And there's one thing that was really nice to see was there was a Osage consultant talking about the film and he had strong criticism about it. And he openly talked about what the film wanted to have. And it was really nice because... Again, Scorsese is trying to evoke discussion on cinema and who should tell that story on cinema. Mm. And he's giving that direction. What should we do with this? Like, whose story should we tell? And it's really nice to hear that criticism. And we should hear those criticism and, you know, trying to evoke that discussion. So Killers of the Flower Moon was something that was a really powerful film and also a film to be discussed on Martin Scorsese. You know, he's a really interesting director. 
Yeah. What are you going to give it out of 10? I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. Very nice. I'm going to give it an 8. Thank you, everybody, for listening. If you're listening on YouTube and you enjoyed it, you can like and subscribe if you want to see more. And if you're listening on Spotify, you can follow and give us a five-star review if you think we're worthy. Next week, John, Marty's going to be so happy with us because we're doing... Captain Marvel. That's right. We're going from a Scorsese <laughs> movie to a Marvel movie. <laughs> How ironic. So yeah, um, I haven't seen Captain Marvel since 2019. I'm interested to see you know, whether it's actually, you know, any good. And you can send us yeah. an email, asktimefilmpod.gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts on Captain Marvel and ask us any questions. We'll answer it right here on the podcast next week. Yes. And you can follow us on Instagram and Out of Time Film Pod to see our incredible thumbnails from St. Asvel on Twitter for more thoughts from Tom and TikTok to see edited clips which are also on Instagram Reels and YouTube Shorts and you can find links to that in the description below. Thanks to L. James Mayer for this excellent theme and Ronan Phillips for vocals as always and I think that's everything and I butchered that Amazing. up at the last minute. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yes. it's your first time with the script, you know. I, I, I've, had, I've, had year, I've had 165 weeks to perfect my craft. This is only your second, first time. We've, we recorded yeah. some episodes in advance. I have no idea. But um, yeah, that, I think that's everything. That is everything. Take what you're giving. Give nothing back. Goodbye. Goodbye.